0: Welcome to Make It, Share It, the podcast where we explore the simple but profound process to overcome fear, doubt, perfectionism, and more enemies of creativity. Make it and share it.
1: We'll talk to creators of all kinds, from artists and writers to entrepreneurs and inventors. To learn about their creative process, the challenges they faced, and how they overcame them by making and sharing.
2: Whether you're an artist, entrepreneur, or someone who wants to create but feel stuck, this podcast is for you. Creativity, meets courage. All right, welcome back to Make It, Share It, where creativity meets courage. Excited to join you today. And we have a special guest in the house with us, Craig Cunningham.
1: Hey Craig.
2: Hey, Howdy. Of course joined by Lauren Chandler. Hey guys. And Stephen Cooper. Hello. Hey, well, in this episode we're welcoming Craig Cunningham. I'm going to read his bio and then we're going to talk and just have a conversation with him. So, Craig Cunningham is a novelist, poet, and filmmaker who has worked in a variety of professional creative roles over the years. He is the author of the Theology series. A natural death and Freedom Day, among other projects. His most recent book, One Night and a Thousand Years, is a coming-of-age novel about a group of young men who are led through a series of rites of passage their senior year. He is a husband, father, and Waco, Texas native. All right, let's go, Craig. Yeah, Craig. <laughs> Waco, Texas. A few of us are from, or not from there. Spent some time there. Sometimes. Spent some time. Spent some time there. We might get into that. So. Hey, thanks for joining us, Craig. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd love just to start out as we, we'll talk about One Night in a Thousand Years in particular on this episode and you making that and sharing that. But um, one of the things we want to do and make it shared in these shows is just to start a little bit with uh, back in kind of your formative years, right? So much of who we become later in life is, uh, is built on those formative years in a particular, Memories that we have that you might call a turning point, just something that happened where the way that we think or live or relate uh, to the world changes. So, we'd just love to start there. Like, what, uh, what for you when you think about where you are today and look back, you know, like what's a, what's one of those kind of early memories that you remember that really formed you?
3: Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, it, and it, and it ties to the book. I know we're going to talk about the book at a certain point, but, um, Uh, And you say early, but I'm going to go back to 17 because that's really that's really a time when I feel like a lot of things shifted for me. So I grew up in a pretty traditional home, Christian home, great home, love my parents, uh, but but was kind of moving through life uh, without a a really clear vision of what I wanted to do or an impact I wanted to make. And then at 17, I became part of this group and it was uh, an unusual group. And this is what the book is about or what it's based on, I should say. And was just invited to kind of, and I, I think back to it and the phrase that I think of is invited into the adventure of life. And so we had this mentor who was guiding us and and really did that for this group of guys. It was 11 or 12, it was 12 uh, senior guys in high school. And uh, he invited us into the adventure of life. And with that came this kind of, uh, you know, he handed us a journal and told us to start writing. And I did that. And and all these, all this world kind of opened up to me. I started writing for the first time and that turned into poetry. And then that turned into uh, poetry that I would would write for my girlfriend and give it to her. You know, it it kind of opened this whole world of creativity to me that I had not really experienced before then. And then, you know, that's the beginning of a journey of me becoming an artist and and like devoting the next, it's been been 18 years since then, devoting the next 18 years to writing and to telling stories. and, And that wouldn't have never happened I don't think without that moment, without, yeah. you know, being handed that journal and, and being invited to do something that I'd never done before. Hmm. Yeah.
2: yeah. So did you, was writing it, like, you know, when you were younger or, you know, you went through junior high, was that something that you enjoyed and this unlocked or you really, that this was the no, first time
3: it was brand new. I mean, a lot of writers have that story where they're, they're 10 and they get a typewriter and they're, you know, they always wanted to tell stories. I don't I don't have that story at all. I mean, my my story really started right then. I was reading a lot at that age, 17, 18. For the first time, I was reading Emerson, Thoreau, you know, C.S. Lewis, uh, Gibran, Thomas Merton, a lot of a lot of these kind of big thinkers. Yeah. And uh, so my mind was kind of already moving in new directions. And then when I was invited to start writing, it just something just clicked for me. So it it, it was brand new at 17 to write and to even think of myself as a, somebody who could be creative, that was brand new for me. And, uh, and I haven't looked back since.
0: I mean, when I'm picturing this right now, it's like my favorite thing of all time is dead poet society. And this guy who's leading you on this journey is Robin Williams. There's so much like, who's this guy to you? (laughs) Was he a teacher, a guy at church, a local community? Cause that, that's a special person to, to do that for you guys and take you guys on that journey and unlock those things for you. And I cannot get, but awesome dead poets vibes from that.
3: It's major dead poets vibes. Uh, in so fact, good. we watched that movie as a group that year. Uh, so, so that that's kind of tangled in this story as well. But yeah, he was a guy uh, who was connected to the local church that we were part of kind of tangentially, not, not like deeply connected, not a staff member, not even a he was kind of brought in to lead this group of senior guys mm-hmm. and uh, did it in a really unique new way. And so we called it the Sacred Circle. We would, we would literally back our trucks and cars up in the circle in, uh, in the parking lot at night and just kind of read our journals back and forth and talk about these big questions we had or things that were unresolved in our minds and in our hearts and, uh, through this whole year. And he led us through these rites of passage that he had built out for the year. And what's what's really and again, this is this is the book, you know, the book is based on this true story. Not it's not a it's not a carbon copy of it, but it's it's very much based on this story. Um, but yeah, he led us through these rites of passage that he built out. And what's what's really cool about this and um, for a lot of different reasons. Is that it it was one year and then it it was another year and then another year. And so this thing lasted, what he built that year lasted another eighteen years. And so we always had this dream of, you know, at the end of that year we were thinking, well, how cool would it be if kids that are being born right now went through the same, you know, the sacred circle thing that we did. And that that took place. And so a few last year I went to the eighteenth year and like hung out with these guys that were literally born that same year that we had been talking about that.
1: That's amazing. I have a 17 year old son right now. Yeah. And okay. Perfect. So I'm hearing this. I even, I read, I read One Night in a Thousand Years and loved it. And so I read it on my Kindle or like app. And so I want, I want a physical copy. Are yeah. there physical copies? There are. Yes. Okay. I need to get I'll one because I want to put it in right. his hands. I'm going to take kits. Um, yeah. cause I can get it faster. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I just think about my son and even just how that experience that you had that opened up this whole world for you, um, that you never even thought that you would be a a writer. You didn't even have an inkling that that was something that you would do. How, you know, the mentor, um, he made and shared what was on his heart. He made this, he brought these guys together. He shared what he, you know, what God had put in him to create and that spilled over onto you. And I'm just, I'm like, I want this for my son too. So I love how you, you know, you're not just, he didn't just share it with you guys with it just to end on y'all, but it would be multiplied, you know? And so I'm, I'm so excited about this book. And even I don't want to get too far ahead in this story, but what might be coming because I think with this generation of teenage boys in particular, that's what I I have. I have two girls and a teenage boy. Um, I think about this. What they want is this call into an adventure and just having um, men lead them in that. And um, I I love how he led because it wasn't very conventional. You know, Um, can you speak more to that, like yeah, not conventional. conventional.
3: Yeah, to say the least, not conventional. So uh, you know, I had grown up in church and had been in some of these kinds of groups before. You know, kind of small group, youth group type things, where it's pretty traditional. You're kind of it's kind of like Bible study. You're giving the answers, and yeah. which is great. I think there's definitely a place for that. But at that time in life, I think at 17, at 18, when you're kind of transitioning to manhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need something a little different. I think you need to you need to be handed responsibility for what you believe yeah. um, in, in a way that that you're going to carry it with you or not, uh, to be honest. And so yeah. that's that's kind of what he did. So it was not it was never, hey, this is the answer. This is what to think. This is the place you should go. Like that was the opposite of how he he led the group. It was very much questions and um and kind of like, well, what do you think? Why do you think that? What if that's not true, you know, and and that would drive you crazy at times, but that's exactly what I think, uh, guys that age need is not to be sort of fed these answers, but to be invited into something, um, maybe that they'd never experienced before. And that's what he did. And it takes, it it does take a, it takes a lot of intention to do that. That doesn't happen by accident. Like you were talking about, I mean, he, he, he led the group intentionally in that way. Um, maybe even fighting against his instincts i, I don 't know we could ask him what if he ever wanted to sort of uh guide us in a, in a in a more direct way, but he he intentionally led the group in that way, and that 's what made it so special love that <clears throat>
2: um so when you look back on that experience before we you know flash forward like what <clears throat> what are you like most proud of in terms of Going through it, you know not a, in a noble way of pride, mm-hmm. like just when you reflect back on that time, like what stands out to you the most
3: mm. i I think back I, I've thought a lot about my journey as a that that kicked off my journey as a writer, as an artist, as a creative, and I think what i'm what I'm most proud of in that in, in that kind of bigger story is just that I haven't quit, so I'm proud of that, and I think that and that that's been through ups and downs i mean like hardcore freelance years, no money, you know, nobody caring about the things that you're doing. I've been through that whole journey, you know, many times over. And so I'm proud that I'm I'm here now and I haven't quit yet. And I think that never would have happened if I hadn't been, uh, been given this vision where it's like, you're, you're, you can create something that means more than attention or means more than, um, approval or means you know you're thinking in these bigger ways where uh, you're creating for eternity as opposed to creating for whatever is going to happen today and so that that foundation was laid i think during that that time in the group and so now as being older and with kids and with a family and with all these different responsibilities i'm still doing this work um but because that foundation was built for me back then yep.
2: yeah yeah and that's good and that's that will take us to kind of fast forward and just we want to talk specifically on this episode of of what you've made and shared of one night in a thousand years <clears throat> so in this case your formative story is obviously tied right to this creation sometimes that you know that may not happen with our guests but it is for you so you kind of set it up but so you go through what you just said a lot of hard times in in writing and <clears throat> times where um There's not any sort of tangible, maybe reward that you're experiencing. It's internal rewards and you're continuing to to create and make and build a career. So what was that point where you decided I want to go back to this time when I was 17 and try to write a story about that? Like, What was the spark that that was like, I want to go for this and, and create this as a fictional
3: story? I don't remember the exact spark. Um, I think so. So after that year, my my life has kind of gone on these two different tracks. Where I've got my, and writing has opened the doors to both of them. But on the one hand, is more of my a traditional job, and so you know I've I have had more normal jobs, nine to five, or kind of uh, consistent freelance clients, that kind of world where I write for a living. And then there's this other side that's uh, creative projects that that maybe make no money at all, and that's okay. And so these two worlds exist; um, they coexist all the time. And so as I'm thinking through what projects I want, or maybe I should say, I need to to uh, to do over here, um, that has always been a story for me. That was like, man that that was such a that was such an impactful story for me personally um and so so probably seven years ago uh i wrote the first words of that as just exploring you know kind of i wrote like maybe a passage or two uh just seeing what it would be like to dive back into that and i and because it was so personal i had to think through okay how do I, how do i want to tell this story could i do i write a script do i um do a documentary that's it's like about the actual story. Do I write a nonfiction book? Is it a short story? You know, I I thought through all these different channels of how I could tell the story and ultimately landed on, on this novel, a first person coming of age novel, just because I felt most comfortable doing that. And also being able to, to take license with, uh, as fiction, you can take license and build the story in different ways that, um, you know, for narrative effect and all these different reasons. But, um, also I felt like I could tell the story and get to the, the truth of the story maybe even better through fiction than i would have telling it um kind of in a more non-fiction straightforward way so about seven years ago wrote the first words sat on it for a long time never really developed it and then um you know working on these other projects at the same time and and then wrote a draft didn't feel great about it there's a whole story of um trying to sell it at one point with agents and the, the publishing world that's we can get into or not get into. But then probably three years ago, I got really serious about it and sat down and, and really built it and finished it out.
1: I have a question. Yes. I mean, just as you were sharing, because um, I agree. I think there are ways that you can get to truth through a narrative, like a fiction um, narrative instead of like nonfiction. And I'm curious, why do you think that? Why do you think that's tends to be true?
3: Oh, man, that's a good question. <laughs> it's true. <for laughs> you don't me. have to have that answer. It's true for me. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think there are themes that, that came out of that year that, that you know, in, in passing, you could easily pass over them if it's just moment after moment after moment after moment. Yeah. But fiction allows you to stop on that theme and really develop it and build it and see how it's unfolding in other people at the same time. Uh, yeah. that, that maybe I wouldn't be able to do nonfiction. And, uh, you know, you're, you can create characters and scenes that really highlight those things. And yeah. so I think that having that ability can really um, just bring out the things you really want to bring out.
1: Yeah, I think it did. And I think it was really effective. So yes. that's that's great.
2: Yeah, so when uh, you sat down to like, you know, it's three years ago, so like really get serious about it what sort of uh I, I guess like were there fears were there the the obstacles that had to that point might just been time life all the things that make this kind of work hard to do but like what was it for you in making it and that part of the journey that was challenging and and again what got you in that three years ago just to be like I'm sitting down and doing this and knocking it out
3: there's, there's probably two things that I would say to that. So one of them is that this was a real story that impacted hundreds of guys and their families. And so anytime you're gonna take on a story like that, you, you have this kind of built-in judgment, and I don't mean judgment in a bad way, but you have these people who are going to see it and say, I was a part of that, that is not the way it was, or that's exactly the way it was, or I hate it, I love it. So you have this kind of built-in um, kind of like check you know, this system of checks and balances in your head at all times. Like, is this really what I want to say here to all these guys who are really deeply invested in it? So that was, a. I wouldn't say that was a fear, but it was something that I was constantly aware of. Um, the second fear is that anytime you're writing or, or thinking or telling a story about something that really happened to you that was impactful, you you want to see it clearly. You, you want to be able to look in the rearview mirror and not uh, kind of put a shine on it that wasn't really there. Uh, Or, 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 you know, I forget what it's, it's like golden age thinking. It's like, it was so great back then. Uh, And so I wanted to tell the story in a way that felt real enough where um, I wasn't just kind of like deluding myself about what this, what happened and, um, and, and doing injustice to the story by doing that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. And those are real real things that it's different than just a completely fictional story, you know, where no one knows who these people are. I was sitting, I think I told you that I was sitting with a woman who wants to write kind of a memoir, but she stuck between that and writing fiction. And that was her challenge. It's just, if it's, it is based on my true story. I don't know how these people are going to receive it. And for her in the journey right now, she just wasn't ready to cross that threshold. That's partly why I wanted to ask you just like what that was that, you know just helped you get over that that yeah. space
3: i also worked hard i mean it, with that i worked hard to not copy over specific people i think that you know the the most the character who's the most like the real character is lucas who led the group and he's jonathan who's been deeply invested in this book all along great guy uh but the other characters in the story are, are pretty much made up i mean they, i might have pulled little fragments of things here and there but you can't look at a character and go, oh, that's so-and-so, and that's so-and-so, and that's so-and-so. Um, so I was very intentional to do that as well.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> man, I really want Wayne to have just been a guy that you knew.
3: <laughs> Me too. I would love to have been Wayne. But I didn't.
2: He's great. Yeah. Oh man. Um that's good. Lauren Coop, I should leave some room for you guys to based on what you're thinking. If not, I'll move I'll move to my next questions. Yeah, I'm, I'm processing. Keep going,
0: can't oh, You're doing great. I was like, oops, i have, say something. No, not yet. Not yet.
2: Uh, so what about, I'm always interested, you know, Jonathan was a guide in real life, you know, at 17. And again, with these, uh, all these generations later of young men that have now grown into men. What about, was there somebody that helped you? And it's probably it was Jonathan again, like, that helped you as a guide in writing this, you know, that came Mm -hmm. alongside and that was a mentor, or did you find that from cobble that together from a lot of different sources?
3: It was cobbled together from a lot of sources. I mean, the the main uh, person would be Jonathan. Jonathan is a writer as well. And so that's something we've stayed connected with over time. I mean, over the years, we kind of have trade, we trade pages. And so if he's working on a project he'll he'll send it to me i'll edit and then I, I owe him a certain amount of pages or he owes me a certain amount of pages so we did that for years and years uh, where i would send this story to him and say here's here's those pages you owe me can you edit them and send it back so he read it he's read this book i don't know 10 times um, but yeah there were other writing groups and other people that uh, i was kind of bouncing this story off of as far as an, an actual writing mentor not really i mean the closest thing would be him uh, just because he's been invested in that part of my life for such a long time um, so he it's probably him
0: yeah yeah that makes sense uh, how do you set um or do you set any kind of expectations for a project like this so you're working on it for years this was part of your life it's getting close to being finished Like as a creative, someone who's done a lot of creative projects, do you set expectations for success for you? Like what would make this a successful project to you? One person reads it. I want it to provide enough money to make the next book. You know, do you set those or do you just let it go? And it is what it is.
3: I honestly just let it go. And it is what it is. I probably should should set expectations, to be honest but I don't. I, and, I, and there's probably something psychological in me that I need to face and deal with there as far as like being willing to face failure and success that I just would rather not uh, in that regard. Um, but the way that I have, I have operated for a long time is that with this, you remember I taught the two different doorways. It's kind of like my my creative career. Yes. I need to I need to be successful there or I'm going to get fired and I'm not going to make money and people aren't going to read the thing that they paid me to make. So that's different. You know, I want, I need feedback there. I need, um, I need metrics there all of that. But with this other side, that's more creative work. I have, I have always operated in a way that's like, I don't care, honestly. Like I'm doing this for me and more than I am for an audience even. And, uh, and so I feel like if I served the vision, uh and certain and was like obedient to the calling for this specific project then i did my job now that doesn't always lead to a lot of sales just like so we're all clear but, but it, <laughs> it is a it is kind of a way that i can do the work and, and feel fulfilled in it where it's like this is what i set out to do it's it's a 30 page uh short story that's that's kind of odd no one's going to read it. That's fine. I, I, I set out to do this. I was obedient to what I wanted the project to be, and I did it. And so that has been my mentality all along. I think, obviously, I want to sell books. Like that would be amazing. I want to do that. I want a million people to buy this book, and I hope they do. But that's that's never my. I never I never go into it with that kind of um, standard for success or failure.
1: Yeah. How do you dedicate? time to do that kind of work? And then what, what, I mean, I can hear you're already motivated to finish it, but do you have a timeline or it's just kind of when it's done?
3: Yeah. So a few years ago before kids, it was different. So I have to have two little (laughs) girls, got an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. And so eight years ago, writing was different for me because I could do it. I was married then, but I could still kind of a lot of flexibility, you know, on an evening I could go right for four hours and it's not a big deal. Um, but when you have kids, things shift, um, in, in great ways, but I was finding that I really wasn't, there was this window where I wasn't able to, um, to do the work that I really wanted to do. And I was really frustrated by that. Cause I wasn't, I wasn't turning out these projects that I really wanted to tell. Um, and so I looked at, I literally just looked at a 24 hour day it's like where do i have any margin at all and the only margin was before everyone wakes up in the morning yes. and so i made this shift uh which i didn't want to do and i'm not a hab- i'm not a, a really um, i'm not a great habit guy <laughs> but i did build this habit where every morning before everyone wakes up i'm in my office writing and so that's where i kind of found the time to develop these things and uh it has so I I write 6 days a week like that. I take one day off. And um it's usually about an hour and a half or 2 hours in the morning. And the the volume that has come out of that over 8 years is is a massive amount of work. And and so now a lot of the problems the problems I'm dealing with it's like what do I do with all of this stuff that I'm creating now?
1: Mm. That's a good problem. Yeah. <laughs> have-
0: no, that Speaking my language, brother. I love it. I, I try to teach my girls um that discipline can really breed creativity. Yeah. And I think it's the Mile Angelo quote, like creativity is the only thing that you don't run out of the more you use it. Mm. And so to me, my life exploded when I decided to start writing every single day. Yeah. Anything. Or drawing, like something every single day. And then things just exploded. Now like you, I have hard drives <laughs> of stuff that you're like. When I die one day, someone's gonna find this stuff and be like, "This dude was insane." But that's where I don't know. It's like a faucet that for me, it's easier to turn on and leave on than off and on every couple of months.
3: Yeah, that kind you know, of thing. And there are mornings, there are a lot of mornings where you walk into the office and and, it, and you're just like, "I don't have it today. Like I, I'm not there. I can't get to the depth that I want to get to. I'm not feeling it." But you just you just get going and you and it's like inspiration kind of meets you. If you show up, it's gonna show up too. And it, and yeah. that's kind of the my mentality is like if I just show up, something will happen. But I gotta show up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. so good. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> so what do you tell me what you like? It's a it's a hard day. You're in there, it's early in the morning, nothing's coming, no depth, no wonder. Uh, it's just not, the muse isn't there. Like, what do you do? Like, what do you start
3: typing? I literally just start working on it and and it, I might write eight bad sentences that I, I delete (laughs) right after I write them, but I just get going I just start working. And, uh, and then, and then eventually you kind of something clicks and something else clicks and you move into, you know, you, you, you leave the day with something there that wasn't there the day before
2: yeah that's a great line interesting. i love that um <clears throat> tell me about the like you know we talked a little bit about this but as you were trying to architect the story uh what are some of the tools you used how did you try to synthesize all of this because again it has a lot of meaning for you emotion so how did you in in the narrating way like kind of rise above all of that to tell the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What what was helpful for you in that?
3: Do you mean t- specific tools or are kind of Yeah, uh,
2: specific tools. Yeah.
3: So for this for this project, um <laughs> I think I told you this Kent, but I I built it on a beat sheet, a film beat sheet. And I knew it would be a more uh, I knew that this would be a more commercial project than a lot of the other kind of work that I've done. Uh, so some of the other projects are not meant for a wide audience. Like I was talking about, they're kind of meant for me. And I hope an audience connects with them. But this book was a little different just because one, there's a built-in audience of all these guys. But also I think the story has such a wide appeal. You know, like you were like you were saying, your 17-year-old son, I think there's a lot of 17-year-old sons out there that, that might connect with this story. And so I wanted it to be more commercial and, and structured in a more commercial way. And so I used a 40-point a, a beat sheet uh, that I have used before for things, but it it created a very clear, like, okay, here's act one, here's your setup, here's what's going to happen to move into act two. And then, and so I I just built it out in that way and then wrote to those beats. And so even when you read the book, people read it and they're like, oh man, it felt like a film. I could just see it when I was reading it. It's like, well, yeah, because I wrote it like a film so that it, it read that way and the chapters are short they kind of end with uh something that that moves you very intentionally into the next chapter and uh i think that that how I, how that helped me deal with the story thinking of it in acts probably helped me deal with the story you know when you i experienced it personally so i don't i don't think of that year in acts you know oh act 1 of my senior year was this you know so i'm not reflecting in that way but when I built this story, it's like, okay, this character, this lead character, act one would would be like this. Act two would be like this. Act three would be like this. And, uh, yeah, I think that helped me. It kept the story on the tracks.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, <clears throat> So how long, you know, it's about three years ago that you were serious about it? I mean, did it take, I guess it took about two and a half years <clears throat> to, like, really get to the bottom of it?
3: yeah and and there there i don't know how many pages I wrote that are that no longer exist, but i wrote I wrote a lot of i wrote drafts and drafts and drafts cut it down i mean at one point i think it was it was probably eighty thousand words at one point and now it's and now it's probably closer to forty thousand words i mean it's a yeah. it's and so i i wrote a lot cut a lot um there are scenes that were built in that I thought were really great. And then you step away for a minute and come back, and it's like, oh, I actually don't need this scene at all. I'm going to throw away this, this uh, four weeks of work that I did. And so that's that's part of the that's part of the process, yeah. I guess. But uh, I like where it landed. Yeah.
0: So, did you use an editor in this process, or was this self edited? in you, or
3: well, I, how did that happen? Uh, yeah, I had editors that that worked through it too. Okay, yeah.
1: How did you? feel? That's the
0: thing that, that I've never. Oh sorry. oh, sorry, no, that's the thing I've never had to do primarily as a musician, we don't let people edit, <laughs> you know, but I've always been fascinated by that on the writing side. Cause when we were do screenplays, obviously people would read them and give you feedback and uh, there'd be an editor towards the end. But um, that always blows me away writing when someone else can come alongside and help you cut it down. And for me, that's a really wanted thing. Cause I know I'm like, I'm getting to the 80,000 words and I'm going to get there quick. And if you don't stop me, I'll put 100,000 words on it just because I can. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't need it at all. And so I am always fascinated by a real writer, like especially writing a story and the role of a, and the partnership with an editor and how that works. Because what if they came back to you and wanted to chop something and you were like, absolutely not.
3: (laughs) It does happen. I think, but I think with any, with any creative work, with any creative project, you get too close to it in some ways. And, and you can't, you can't see yeah. what you can't see. And then you step away and someone points something out and you, and, and it's, it's kind of raw to hear that. But then a week later, it's like, maybe there was something to that. And so yeah. that always happens. I think, I think it's like a muscle. The more you, the more you get used to that, the less it hurts to for someone to say that about your work or to say, you need to cut this, this character is not interesting, you know, or or you need to cut the yeah. scene and you thought this scene was great and the character was really interesting, but then you realize, oh, maybe they were right. Uh, I was too close to it. And so that happens all the time. Yeah.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. So that was the question I was gonna ask. Was yeah. because I, I I think that's really insightful that the more that you do it, the like less it hurts. Maybe <laughs> there's some scar tissue that builds up that's actually beneficial. Cause I would just be like, Oh, that hurts. And I spent all that time, but that's really encouraging um to hear just to step like being too close to it i think it's like kind of like feels like you're cutting out one of your kids but really you're not it's not it's not that important right and there's something greater happening so
3: i also yeah. i also write a lot and so i've done a, yeah. i think the more projects that i've done too if this was my one project that i'm ever going to do in my life mm-hmm. a lot of people think of their book that way it's like this yeah. is going to be my masterpiece. And, uh, and, and maybe then you're even more close to it and and you're even less open to feedback. But I think when your life is building these projects and telling stories, it's like, there's another one on the horizon. There's another one after that. There's another one after that. So it's, it's kind of, you know, I'm thinking about, like, I I like to think of the masterpiece mentality. It's like the masterpiece is your, your whole body of work at the end of your life. That's the masterpiece. It's not one project that was your masterpiece. It's, it's the, the, uh, the accumulation of all this, this obedience, I would say it's like, it's like the obedience at the end of a life. That's the masterpiece. Um, and so when you, when you can break free of that masterpiece thinking, it's a lot easier to let things come and go. Yeah. Amen. Amen.
2: Um, so now you've got, you've made it, in this part of our the way we talk about it and there's the sharing part you know of like okay what does it look like to share this so help us with that and i know i do want to hear as much as you're willing to share a little bit about because i do think this is fascinating and frustrating um, but i get it of the process of some of the feedback you got in the marketplace so you know would love to hit on that but just overall just the sharing part what was that journey like yeah
3: and, and i'll be honest i'm a lot better at the making part than the sharing part and so I, I probably have a whole lot to learn from from this group about that part uh and it's something that i want to get a lot better at the sharing and the the marketing and can you and i even talked about this at one point but i can market a lot of my work has been marketing other people's ideas and projects and products but then when it comes to mine there's some kind of block where it's like i don't want to i can't market myself it's too weird um yeah so sharing it uh and, I, and i'll go back to i'll go back i mentioned this earlier but i, I tried to sell this in, a, in traditionally and wound up publishing it through my company i've got a, a a company called canawan that i do all my creative work through so any any film or any kind of project i get hired for or a lot of these personal projects i i i do it through this company that i have um but i was going to sell this book traditionally and had a christian agent who i really loved was great and uh sent it to them they loved the book and they tried to sell it and the the feedback came back this is this is too secular for a christian market it's like oh man okay well and they were like well we're going to try to sell it to the kind of the traditional publishers they came back and they said this is this is too christian you should take it to the christian publisher and it was like, oh, man, I knew this was going to happen. Yeah. It's kind of like the switch foot of books where you're, you're in
0: between
3: <laughs> man, <laughs> these two worlds.
0: You're speaking my language. I was told <laughs> our, every band I've ever been in is too pop for Christian, too Christian for pop. Yeah.
3: yeah. So I'm, I, I came to that and uh, had the option to write it one way or the other. So like, why, why don't you go back and mm-hmm. you can choose. You can write it this way or write it this way. And then we'll, we'll go back out with it. Uh, and, and at that point, I, I've considered it. And I even, I even played around with it for a minute in both ways. But it just felt so wrong. It just felt so wrong. So I, 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 I tried to write it. In, when I wrote it in the secular way, it's like, how do you take God out of a story like this? You just can't do it. And are they meeting like at the YMCA parking lot? Like, like It doesn't make sense. It, it steals all the power from the story. And on the same side, if you wrote it where Lucas, the, the leader of these guys, is just kind of like hitting them with the gospel every time they meet, that also steals the power from it in a, in a totally different way. And so ultimately, I was like, no, I'm going to I'm going to stay true to the story. I'm going to be obedient to what I felt called to do, build it like this. And so I wound up publishing it through um, through my company uh, in, the, you know, that, that's how it, how it came to be. <laughs> yeah
2: well, thank you for that.
1: yeah, I agree. I think if you had changed the different parts, it would have taken from the story, and so I'm really glad that you stayed stayed dedicated to that. Well,
3: thanks me too yeah
2: um, so put it out through your company um you know, and then it's out and about and so you tell me about the sharing part because. I think, uh, a lot of people, you know, resonate with what you're saying. Some, some people more, it's more natural, but for a lot of us, that part can be hard to say like, all right, I, I want you to hear about this thing that I created. Cause I do value it, but I don't want to feel self promotional. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the things we really want to do on this show is to not always talk about where it was successful, but where it's just super challenging. So for you, the making part, it seems a bit more natural this parts where you're the sharing parts where you're jammed up. So I want to hear more about what is it that you just feel like, ah, uh, I, I have a hard time, you know, getting the word out and sharing. I, mean, I love this.
3: I love talking to people, getting into the ideas, going. Th- this is amazing. And I love doing this kind of stuff. But when it comes to uh, selling, taking a picture, selling this, Hey, everyone, go check this out. Like something in me just fights back so hard against that. And I don't, I'm not saying that that's healthy. I actually think there's something that I need. uh, That's a place where I need to grow in a healthy way, but I haven't really quite cracked that code yet. Um, I have not had social media in years and years and years. I've avoided it. I actually just got an Instagram account this week um, for, you know, just to kind of, uh, to fight fight this in a way. And, And I still feel so strange about that and just promoting. I'd rather just talk to somebody face to face. And they say, "What do you do? I write books, you know, and just do it like that, so I don't know how to do that in a healthy way and, and um I wish I did honestly, I think I would sell a lot more books if I did, but I have not figured that out yet. That's my honest yeah. answer
1: it's interesting i I am learning so much from you about writing because i I've written a book, and part of what I struggled with writing it was because i it drew me away from meeting with people. Cause I just have coffee with people. I, um, kind of can mentor or just am a friend. Um, and I felt like ugh, if I'm drawn away from that, you know, to write this book, it seems like a waste of time. It doesn't seem like what I really want to do, but then I, it's like, I saw, okay, if I sit down to read this book, it's almost in a way like having coffee with thousands of people mm. instead of just a handful of people, and so to just maybe encourage you or give you perspective on the marketing piece as i think keep doing the talking to people and and getting to share the story behind the story but also hopefully i'm i want it out there um you know seeing it as okay i'm going to multiply the effect so i can do this in one place and it reaches thousands maybe tens and hundreds of thousands of people that just me you know talking through things might not. So uh, just to encourage you in that, because I, I want to see it do well. I want to see, I mean, I see it like impacting in particular 17 year old boys and maybe even um, waking up some 20 something guys are like, I want to be a Lucas, you know, I want to, I want to gather some guys around and do it differently. And so I see it not just oh, that's a great story, but really impacting lives. So I think, go for it,
3: <laughs> and I think that's get I'm,
1: uncomfortable.
3: I think that's what I need to get to. It, it's it's the heart behind it, it's the intention.
1: Yeah.
3: If, if the heart behind it is to sell books, then it, it's just gonna always feel wrong. But if the heart is that you believe in this message, you think other people are gonna believe in this message and it's gonna benefit them in some way, like that's a different mindset then I want to get out there. I want to get attention. I want to get engagement. That's a totally different mindset than I think this can lift people up in a powerful way. And so even that's really helpful to hear you say that even making that shift is probably the shift to make. Mm.
0: I, the way I look at it from a a music standpoint and Instagram and getting it out there is with digital music and streaming now, it's the wild, wild west. There aren't record labels that are putting everything together and telling us who we can listen to and who's in the music stores. I can record something today and it's in Spotify tomorrow. So I imagine books is, you know, there's just so many ways now to digest a book and it's everywhere. And so you have to somehow put something out there and it's usually through social media of like how these people are finding these bands. If it's YouTube to Instagram to SoundCloud, and you almost have to be in a couple different places just so people will find your CDs in stores. Yeah. Otherwise now more than ever, it can just get lost in the shuffle of nothing, which is really frustrating. Um, but then someone put it to me this way. So for, you know, I'm 45. So for 30 years in this, business in like in the music business when it started we were dying for a channel of content like what would we have done to be in a commercial Mm -hmm. or be on mtv well now with social media we have our own channel yeah and youtube we have our own channel and we are the program directors and we can say and teach and talk about whatever we want as much as we want and so they say a lot of people in my generation aren't using it because it's weird to us and it's uncomfortable, but they're like, man, it's what you've wanted your whole life mm-hmm. to talk about your art. You don't have to push to sell product, but who are you? What else do you like to do? What are you working on? What are some behind the scenes? How can you challenge others to spur them on to write and join bands? And I don't know, it was a interesting way for me to have to twist it. Cause I, every second I'm on social media, I feel like something dies a little bit. And then when I walk away from it, it grows back. Mm-hmm. But I have to do it.
3: Yeah,
0: and it's so such Go a back beating
3: back in a big way. <laughs>
0: yeah. And hey, I want. I also want to congratulate you because I think you did something that a lot of us talk about, and it's almost like a writing prompt that I've used before: of write the book that your 18 year old self needs to read or would want to read.
3: Oh, I definitely did that because I would have loved.
0: Yeah. Have yeah, you nailed it. Like this book, I want to, you know, it's a good book now, but like, man, if I had had a book like that in my senior year in high school, when I was probably even more disgruntled and grumpy (laughs) than I am now, somehow, I don't know how I did it, but I did it at 18. Oh man, I needed this book.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So good. Um, well, and we'll finish with this is just that part of you sharing it is then Jonathan shared it, you know, on Instagram and Jonathan and I are friends. And so I see it and I'm like, well, yeah, I want to read a book about this because I was not as involved as Craig, uh, and those guys that year, but in a long story too long for this podcast was Jonathan was doing similar. I don't know if his mentorship, cause I'm older than he is, but, uh, it was help. <laughs> it was a lot of just Jonathan being Jonathan, which yeah. is bringing people in that are on the outside, uh, seeing uniquely how God has made people and celebrating that and encouraging that and really stirring up wonder. I mean, he just is, uh, he just has such a gift for stirring up wonder in people. And so he's doing that for me in a hard time. So when I saw that there was a book that was capturing the sacred circle and, uh, this whole journey, it's like, well, I have to read that and, and did. And, uh, it really, it was a very emotional experience for me because of pretty much everything we've talked about that it, as somebody was 44 reading it, it did bring me back Mm -hmm. to 17, 18, you know, first that, that was number one. And then number two, it brought me back to kind of early twenties where I was just in a hard time going through a divorce and just feeling lonely. And just, there was a lot that was happening. And so I was brought back, you know, to that space um, and that time. And So I, you know, read it and I'm like, uh, man, there is, I've got to dig, dig into this. So did that work. And, uh, you know, again, I'm trying to condense a long story, but ended up getting this book that, you know, it's actually in one night that, you know, the, you see Lucas is, is helping all these young men with writing, like Craig said, and then publishes, you know, kind of gets all their work together and publishes it and puts, this isn't really a spoiler alert for it. It's just something, you know, that happens in the story that is really cool and, and helps, I think all of these young men see themselves as creators, uh, and as authors and as something to bring to the world. And so we, I had that literal book, uh, in the, the version of real life that Jonathan had given me from that year. And, and so went and opened it up and, uh, was reading through what he wrote to me in an inscription that's always been like an Ebenezer. Um, you can't see it, it's behind me, but I don't wanna to try to mess with my camera and all that cause it'll just go bad, but it's behind <laughs> me still. You see like the, there it is. Actually, I that's the it. simplest way to see it. I keep yeah. it right there as like an Ebenezer for me of creating. Um, and it's been there wherever I've been for 14 years or so probably. Um, but on the back side was a clip that I used to just hold Jonathan's Ebenezer part in place so the pages didn't fall over is why it was there. And so it just been there for a long, long time to where there's like an imprint in the pages. And so I'm like, I wonder what's on the other side of this. So I just start reading it and I see a C.S. Lewis quote. It's meaningful that I'm reading the words of this poet uh, that's that's in the pages. And just it resonates for me at the time, you know, where you just feel seen by God and uh, just a meaningful love of the father. And I'm like, huh, how crazy would it be? if the author of these words was Craig uh, like, I mean, that's just a, that'd be a lot of coincidences. And and if it is, I don't know what to do with that, but uh, (laughs) I'm going to, I don't know. So I'm like flipping, flipping. And all of a sudden I get to that title page and it's Craig S Cunningham. Mm -hmm. And I, as I've I've said in a a longer post on this, like I just start crying because I I honestly don't know why. I think you're just, when you feel seen by the Lord in a very intentional way, uh, it's it's powerful, and that's just what it was. It just was that, and I still I don't know all of it. It may have been just simply that. May be the gift, right? Sometimes I think we're, it's, we we want to take all these things and turn them. Or I do. I want to take everything and turn it into something tangible partly what I wanted to do is just sit there and receive the gift. Right. Mm-hmm. And and that it was a sweet gift like that. I'll just always cherish. And so it makes an Ebenezer even more of an Ebenezer now. Uh, and so that happened, but then I did because of the way I'm wired was like, Hmm, this should be a movie. It just should be. We've already made that clear.
1: Yeah.
2: I like to produce movies. Um, I'm going to ask if anybody's making this movie already. And so I reached out to Jonathan and He was like, I don't think so. And would you mind if I shared, you know, the story with Craig? Sure. Share it. He does. And so it really started a journey of me saying, Hey, could I produce this movie, you know, with you, Craig, and could we get this into a script and try to get out into the world? I think it's just, it's a story that, as we said earlier, that so many young men I think would benefit from. And I really think not just people in their twenties that would be Lucas, Lucas's age, but people my age totally. they go wait i have all these young guys uh around me at my church or wherever i'm at how can i pull them in how can i be intentional about mentorship and so mm-hmm. i just my heart's into it and so we we've worked through that and my company Kent studio option the rights to try to get this into uh made into an independent film so that's the journey that we're on right now is uh early stages is is to work through. Okay, how do we produce this? Have some have some ideas, some strategies that that we're starting to put in place in a project plan. But super excited and and hopeful for it. So, the sharing part, you know, it was viewed to Jonathan, Jonathan to Instagram, Instagram to me reading it, and you know, now on this journey of trying to produce a film, and and so we'll see where it goes from here. There's again, now we're going to try to make the film and share it, so a whole nother cycle starts, but. Anyway, that's the shortest I could possibly try to tell that story. So sorry that I rambled.
3: (laughs) I love it. I love hearing it every time. It's good. Thanks. Yeah. Um,
2: Well, I think that's the, for me, I know that's the journey I wanted to try to capture in this. Lauren, Coop, anything else from you guys? I'm looking
0: forward to you guys with the movie. Good luck. Tell me if you need a soundtrack.
1: (laughs) Oh, you know, uh, Kent's already has a spotify playlist already going do you know this greg
3: (laughs) yes i do okay that was one of the things that (laughs) we actually
2: uh we met uh yeah and and first just sat down in waco um a couple of weeks ago now and we're just talking through things but you don't know you know about vision for sure right you're obviously there's resonance but when you start into this it's like you know what are what are the songs that you're hearing is a great way just to say like, are we on the same track with this? And um, so I'm showing him my playlist. And then, so he's like, well, I have one, of course, you know, that I use as I wrote and there was so much similarity that I was like, yes, we see this the same way. So uh, I'll put those in the show notes uh, along with the link to, to buy the book and and some of the other things we've talked about, but that was really encouraging uh, when we had that. And, and had some of those, those same shared artists because we were and are seeing it the same way.
1: I yeah. love it. It's, it's a great, great. playlist. <laughs> Thanks, Lauren. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, no, it's, I've listened to it a lot as we're trying to do this. So cool. Coop, anything else from you?
0: Nothing from me. It all was right, a man. pleasure meeting you. It was fantastic.
3: Yeah, yeah. I loved it. It was, it was great to be here. Thank y'all for taking the time and talking about the book. I love talking about the book. So uh, I had a great time cool
2: well hey thanks for everybody for joining us like I said I'll put all those links in the show notes so it's easier to get to those and we'll see you next time on make it share it all right
1: see you see ya bye
3: everyone you be here kid you gotta just go for it don't think about what comes after or what came before you just gotta bend your knees take a deep breath and jump jump and you might think,
0: what if I fall? what if you don't?